Christmas time is, is so good and it's so fun. Um, but the reality is we can get busy, amen? Like we're already feeling it a little bit, right? You can say amen to that. We, we're already feeling a bit of the busyness, a bit of the hustle and bustle of the season. Um, and, and, and oftentimes, you know, we get to the Christmas season and we think about, uh, you know, the Christmas story. Pastor Ross read it to you this morning. And I love how the Lord has just been giving us a bit of some stepping stones to where he wants us to be this morning. Do you feel that with me? I feel that. I feel like God is giving us some stepping stones to reconnect with him, to reprioritize and, and understand what the reason is and why, why we're doing what we're doing and what we're celebrating this morning. And so this morning, I, just, I don't want to take too much time, but I just want to share a bit with you of what I feel God has kind of put on my heart a little bit. And I feel like I want to give you something because he's done something in my heart as I've studied this week. And as I said, you know, we can get caught up in this hustle and bustle of, uh, of Christmas, you know, the, the, the consumerism of it all. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with, with doing all the things that we do. There's nothing wrong with buying presents and doing all those things. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing wrong with all that. I, I feel like I need to say that a few more times so that, so that nobody, you know, the last thing I want you to do is get offended real quick after you've been blessed. Don't, 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 let, don't let the devil do that, Amen. God just, wants us to, God just wants to make sure that, that our priorities are correct. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I often have to check my priorities to make sure that, that I have God at, in the place where he needs to be. And this is always at, at the top. You know, they're, they're oftentimes part of the celebration of what we do is, you know, we have, we have manger scenes that we set up. You guys, who, who has a manger scene set up in their house right now? That's what I'm talking about, right? It's so exciting about setting up manger scenes. Whether you have one set up at your house or you've seen one as you're walking around, you know, you, you see it. And if you're setting it up and if you're looking at it, there's like a joy. You know, you got, you got the main characters, obviously. You know, you got Mo, uh, Mo, I was about to say Moses. <laughs> but, uh, Jesus. It's like, what kind of, what kind of, I got everybody in my manger, I'm in my manger scene. I don't know about you guys ain't nobody left out of the party at my house <laughs> you got Mary and Joseph and Jesus right they're, out, they're right there in the center it's them right and you know and then you got you got the wise men you got them they came in you know you know they really weren't there right you know you, you can you, you can talk to Pat you can talk to, to uh, Pastor Ken they'll get you straightened up on all that good stuff but, but we, we put the wise men in there and they're nice and close. They're nice and tight right in the middle, right? And we, like, there's even, there's a, there's a you know, if you, if, you, if you brought the real expensive one, you got a camel. Uh, we got goats and sheep on ours. And so, so you know, you got, you got the animals real close all next to them. And they're, they're, even they get to be real close to Jesus. But then when you come to, the, you know, like the shepherds, you'd be like, I'll put these guys on the outside. You know what I mean? But they, they, and they're, if you notice, they're always in a pose like this. They're, they're, they're always like trying to peek because <laughs> Lord knows we, we always put them on the outside. That's kind of what I, I want to talk a little about today. You know, as we look at the Christmas story, I just want to, I want to kind of talk about the shepherds and how the Christmas story, it wasn't just for those that were right into the center of it all, but it was for everyone that was there. And it, there's actually something that happened really special to these, to these shepherds that were on the outside and, and oftentimes are on the outside of even our, our manger setup, our manger scenes. Check this out. In Micah 5, it's just interesting prophecy that, that, that I love. And it was, it was uh, spoken hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. And you find this prophecy. It's mentioned in the gospel authors in, in the New Testament. And Micah 5 in the message version says this. But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter. Yeah. 
From you will come the leader who will shepherd, rule Israel. He'll be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. God, in this moment, he chooses. God, through the prophecy of Micah, God chooses the runt to be the place his son, the rescue plan for all humanity will start. And there's some other clues today that we're gonna look at as we go through scripture of the picture, and it's gonna give us a picture of what God thinks and how God thinks about the outsiders. Like, if, if you feel like you, you don't fit, if you feel like, like you, just, you just can never get the traction to get it done, you just, you just, you're always kind of outside. You always feel that feeling of you don't belong. This, this is what I'm talking to you, Ben. I think if we're honest with each other, we, we struggle with that. I don't know if there's anybody that may not struggle with that from time to time. So we're looking at these outsiders, looking at these shepherds. And, and this was, you know, this story was made familiar from December, every December since 1965, right? We, we see between the, the episodes of the Grinch stealing all the presents from Whoville and, and, you know, George Bailey running through the streets of Bedford Falls screaming at buildings. We see this, this, this caption, this uh, movie, this little, this scene of Linus coming and sharing the gospel. I want to read a little bit of that to you. And I love, again, I, I, want, you, I want you to see the stepping stones that, that God is laying before us. Pastor Ross actually read this. We, we've been singing about this very thing. The Bible says in Luke 2, starting in verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. The, the, those three statements that we sometimes we don't understand the gravity of what they were listening to and what they were hearing in those moments. The, the, the prophecy that had been spoken and that had been reiterated and, and that had been regurgitated and that had, that had been told over and over and over again in this culture that one day there would come one and these shepherds in the field, lowly shepherds now get to be the first ones to receive the reality, the truth, the word that the, that the spirit of God, that God was coming in flesh. It's amazing. Has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in a snuggle. No, <laughs> snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Oh Lord, be pleased with us. When the angels, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's, let's see this thing that, that's, that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. 
But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them, Lord, we lay ourselves bare before your word. Would it mold us? Would it shape us? Would it sharpen us? Would it teach us? Would it help us, Lord? Would it even chastise us, God? Would it illuminate, Lord, the things that are out of place and out of order in our lives? Because we long to please you, God. If you agree with that and you receive that, say amen with me today. It's amazing, amazing, this is an amazing passage of scripture with this, this prophetic connection, this picture of the Father's heart for his creation. It brings back so many great memories. But again, that we, we often hear this over and over and over again, and it can become a bit mundane. It can become a bit, okay, well, it's Christmas time. We're gonna hear a Christmas message. There's an old saying attributed to, uh, to uh, Jeffrey Chaucer that says familiarity breeds contempt. Being too familiar means that, that I, I, dis, uh, I disregard something that really should be taken into account. I think I've heard this story so many times. It's just Christmas time. But this is the reality that familiarity with the ordinary will cause us to overlook what God was doing. Then... And we will and we'll miss what he wants to do through us now. But we, can, we say, well, what does God have to say about the ordinary? What does God have to say about the mundane? Well, we need to look no further than the shepherds is what we're looking at today. Shepherds are one of the most common literary pictures in scripture. A shepherd is a metaphor for God in Psalms 23. A second class job of a former prince of Egypt, Moses, in Exodus 3. Shepherd is a part-time job for an unlikely giant killer, David, in 1 Samuel 17. And actually, the shepherd is the, the great role of Jesus and the pastor of God's flock in 1 Peter. We read through scriptures, and you see shepherd again and again and again. And so shepherding, it, it, it actually it was an important job. But it wasn't all that respectable, if, if, if we're being honest and we look at it, if you study the context of it all, right? Because these guys were out with their sheep all the time. They were, they were taking care of sheep day and night. They, I, I always thought that shepherds were pretty brave people because they had to fight off wolves and bears and lions and everything that was trying to eat the sheep. But the truth of the matter is that they were always working. And so if you're always working, then you can't always shower. <laughs> and there, there wasn't no Walgreens. There wasn't no Walmart around the corner. You can go and just get some Old Spice. You know, smell good. Get some of that Allsport or that Fuji. You know what I mean? Make you smell real nice. Washing wasn't something that they did very often. And right, you think this too, right? Because we just went through the setup of the manger scene, right? We always put the shepherds, they're all here on the outside. Always on the outside. That's how we see them. But the reality is, is when we look at this manger scene and we see Jesus and Mary and Joseph as, their, as the main characters and we see the three wise men, we see the shepherds, oftentimes we, can, we connect more with who the shepherds are than, than anyone else in that scene. 
And so it's important that we understand how God actually sees the things that we think are ordinary and the way we think our lives are and who we see ourselves as. It's important to understand that we need to take that filter off and allow God to, 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 cl- to clear it, allow God to make sure that, it's, that, it, that we understand what it is he's calling us to do and who he is, who he's called us to be. The reality is the only announcement God makes for the birth of Jesus is to shepherds. Like you, you would never see that happen today. Like I, I'm not even gonna get into all the birth announcements and all the gender reveals and, and all those other things that happen. It's just, it's just crazy. You know it, you've seen it. But this is not how we would do it. We wouldn't go to the lowliest of people. We wouldn't pull up to some, some person, you know, that we think is lowly. I'll let you picture that person. I'm not going to give you nobody. But you picture him. And you'd be like, hey, I just had this great news, this amazing news that is about to happen. You tell him. He'd be like, let everybody else know for me, okay? That, that's, not, that's not how you would do it. That's not how you would do it. We were like, no, I, we, we need to call the, the, the biggest influencers. We need to make sure that this gender reveal is huge. We need to put it on Facebook Live so all six of the people that really want to look at it can look at it online. <laughs> Bless the Lord. You know, the only ones that really go, that really go viral is the ones that mess up. Somebody, somebody gets hit in the face, somebody trips, the balloon flies away. Something. Those are the ones that go viral, right? All the other ones are like, oh, you know, hey, good job. Thanks. You're, you're, you're a great job, whatever. Right? But this is, this is how we, we, we would do it. This is how we would make this huge announcement, right? You got to remember that this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who will be the Savior, the last sacrifice that they will ever need. This is him. This is him. This is the guy. This is the one. And Jesus and, and the Father decides to tell some lowly shepherds out on a pasture somewhere. This event will literally change the course of history, the birth of the Son of God. We would invite nobles, we would invite leaders, we would, we would invite people of importance and people of, of, of high stature. God did none of that. None of those got invited. The simple reason that God did that is to show all of them that were there and all of us now that, that think and feel and associate themselves with the status of shepherds, the outsiders, that they matter, you matter, and you belong. And to make this world-shattering point to you and to me, God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Church, God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God is so antithetical to the way that we do things and the way we think he should work. And sometimes we miss him. Most times we miss him because we have a plan. God, I have the plan. I've already thought of everything. Just bless it, Lord. Because it's the fastest way for me to get what I want. I have my idea, God. I have this box that I need you to fit in and I need you to bless it so that I can get the things that I really want. But, but we fail to see, we fail to remember the scriptures. We fail to, to understand that, that we are called to die to ourselves. You see, God just doesn't want to be your savior. He wants to be the king of your heart, your heart and your life. How many times have we heard that? God isn't just your savior. He's the king of your life. 
We say that. We say that over and over and over again so many times, so often. And we're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, Lord. But then Monday comes. <laughs> and sometimes Sunday afternoon comes. <laughs> Isaiah 55, 8 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Just, but God, it just would have made sense. It just would have made sense to, to do this thing this way. But God said, no, I want to show you who I am. I want to show you an aspect of my nature. I want to show you the desire that I have to interact with you. I want to show you that I leave no one out, that I have a plan and purpose for everyone. No matter who you are, no matter what you think you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your status is, no matter what you have or you don't have, I have a plan for you. And because of the shepherds, we can understand that to those who think they are undeserving, God says, I choose you. To those who think they are incapable, God says, I will work through you. To those who think that God doesn't see them, God says, I'm working on your behalf right now. To those who think that I have to have it all together, God says, I've already done the work. To those who think God doesn't love me, God says, I love you. I love you. God chooses ordinary means and ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I mean, just pick a Bible story. Moses, Gideon, Rahab, Mary, or Joseph. Like you can, look at what was said about the, his disciples, this motley crew, this, this ragtag bunch of men, right? Um, almost like, like a group of misfits. But by the, by, the, by the end of it, they're known as Jesus followers. And as they were getting in trouble, right in the middle of it, the Bible uh, uh, tells us about a moment where they were in the Sanhedrin. In Acts 4, 13, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, listen to this, and realized that they were unschooled in ordinary men. I fit that. I fit it gladly. Unschooled in ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note. What did they take note of? That these men had been with Jesus. These men had been with Jesus. I got to be careful right here because I'll preach another message to you about what happens when you've spent some time with Jesus. Listen, it's, it's, what's been, it's what's been said over and over again. It's what we've been singing over and over again. It's what Pastor Ross stood up here and said, listen, you gotta spend some time with Jesus. We're getting close to the end of the year and everybody starts to come up with all kinds of resolutions and things that wanna change your life. Listen, you gotta change the time that you spend with Jesus. And if you're not spending any time with Jesus, you need to make it five minutes. If you're spending five minutes, you need to make it 10. If you're spending 10, you need to make it 15. Listen, you, we need to increase the amount of time that we spend with Jesus so that we can do the extraordinary things that he wants us to do, that he has for you, that he has for me. No one else can do it. He has them for you. That has to be the priority. My office, I, I'm, listen, I, 
I, I can look back on my life and I can see the moments where I struggled, the moments where I was battling and, and trying to figure things out were the moments that I was the most disconnected from God. The moments where, hey, I, I ain't got time right now, Lord. I, I'm busy, man. I got, bills are piling up. Kids are crazy. Christina and I, we're arguing and fighting. I, I don't know what's happening. I got to figure this thing out. So I don't have time for you right now. And God was like, my God, son, how many times does this have to happen? Jesus. He was looking at his son. He's at the right hand of the father. He's like, Jesus. I bet you can too. If, we, if, you, if you just got honest with yourself in this moment and you look back on your life at the times where you felt the most peace, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not equating this to, to anything other than the presence of God in your heart and your life. Because things, things may have been going crazy. Listen, we live in a fallen world and things are always gonna be crazy. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking for rainbows and meadows. I'm looking for the hand of God in everything. The times in your life where you felt the most peace, you felt the most confidence, I'm telling you, there will be a connection as believers. I'm talking to the believers here. There will be a connection to your dedication and your, your connection, the time that you gave, that you spent with God. Declaring to him, I can't. You are a king. You're sovereign over my life. And I can't do this without you. God, I don't want to do this without you. I want to give you three things. And we're going to go back into just this moment of worship. We're going to sing one song. We're going to sing one song of worship. And I, I just want to do this so that you can respond to God today. My deepest desire every Sunday, whether I'm preaching, whether Pastor Ross is preaching, whether Pastor Lloyd's preaching, whether Pastor Brent is preaching, I don't care who's up here. My deepest desire for you, and I share this, this same desire with Pastor Ross, is that you would not leave the same. That you would not walk out of this place the same way that you walked in. And it's by the presence of God. It's by us spending time with him that God begins to change us. God begins to do those things. I want you to read over Luke again. When you have time this week, read over Luke. Let me, let me back that up. Make time to read over Luke too, this week. One, ordinary people witnessed, witnessed extraordinary events God wants to show you some amazing things God wants to God wants to open your eyes to some amazing things God manifests himself to the people who are available I promise you I guarantee it Dallas Willard said hurry is the great enemy of, of spiritual life in our day Corey Tinboom said if the devil can't make you sin make you busy are you available check your pace this season put your phone down turn prime off apple tv and youtube tv and netflix and all of it just turn it off give god some time pastor ross he alluded to this this morning jeremiah 29 13 you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart 
Number two, ordinary people do extraordinary things. God wants to work through you. He wants to show you something. He wants to do something mighty through you. I believe that. John 14, 12 tells us that. We can do extraordinary things if we just take the risk. Number three, ordinary people tell extraordinary stories. God just doesn't want you to experience this and then bottle it up. He wants you to share it. He wants you to be a witness for him. Simply tell of what he has done in your heart, in your life. Would you stand with me today? We're just going to take a few moments and worship. Prayer team, come on up. We've got five minutes here at 11, here at 45 after. I want to give you permission. Go get your kids. It's okay. Go do what you got to do. I don't, I don't want to keep those kids workers up there working overtime. They're, we love them. We bless them. We want to take care of them. But in this moment, as we worship in these last five minutes, I just want to pray over you. And I want to invite you to come and lay something down at, at the Lord's feet. If, if the Holy Spirit is tugging at something, a reprioritization of your heart and your life, the things that are happening. Father, we come before you. We love you. We bless you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've already done today. Come and complete your work in our heart for today, God. We come. We give it all to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We say amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord together.